House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Well, we've got a great guest sitting in today, and um, we're, we're all big fans, aren't we? Yes, very. Stephen's all quiet. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Uh, hey, listen, listen. Let, let me tell you a story, Al, about about uh, about our guest. I was online. This was several years ago. I was online, uh, and this gentleman I was talking to was not. I was a fourteen-year-old girl online. And he was not replying to my questions, and I was getting like, you know, I'm thinking to myself as a police officer, I don't have time. There are people out there that I can really talk to. So as a 14-year-old girl, I said, hey, man, look, if you're busy, I'll go somewhere else. And he came back. He said, no, 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 sweetheart. No, 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 don't don't go. I'm sorry. I was just watching to catch a predator. True story. True story. <laughs> oh, man. True story. Yeah, I'm just afraid that this is a ruse to uh, get me in a room with you and have a seat and <laughs> give me some cookies and lemonade. <laughs> I've, got some, I've got some terrible news for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, so, so sitting in is, is Chris Hansen himself, the real Chris Hansen. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good. How are you guys? <laughs> well, you can tell we're doing okay. Yeah. 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 Well, Survived uh, CrimeCon okay? Oh, it was a blast. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's a good place for people to meet. You know, people really get into it and uh, uh, good exchange, good to meet people and uh, people that are uh, buying the books and and uh, seeing seeing and listening to the shows, so we're quite thrilled to do it. Uh, um, of course, Good. not me. Everybody on the team is, but not me. <laughs> but uh, it, but you haven't shown up yet. We haven't seen you at uh, CrimeCon, Chris. I need to get there. I've I've uh, been asked to go a couple times, and for one reason or another, scheduling I've not been able to go. But. Uh, I know a bunch of folks who do go, and a bunch of uh, fans who you know follow my work. So I, I think next year I'll get down there. I'll make a point of it. Okay, we're going to hold on to that. We've got it here right now, guys. Um, now, um, so right. what's, on the record, <laughs> what's what's been going on in in the Chris Hansen world? Now you um, were doing Crime Watch Daily, and uh, now right. I, you've got the Hansen versus Predator, and that, that looks so uh, to totally great. Like so. What are you doing with that series now? How can people tune in? Well, we had uh, we did a Hanson versus Predator actually that was part of Crime Watch Daily, and now what we've got going is a, a digital version of that Hanson versus Predators dot com. So we're we're uh, taking some material that people haven't seen before, and we're we're making it a a, a full experience for people who are fans of that show and some of my other investigative reporting over the years, and we're getting ready to launch and uh, get out in the field and do some new investigations, so that's very exciting. So if people are interested, they can check that out at Hanson versus Predators and then we, we get to a YouTube channel as well, so we've mm -hmm. got uh, content up on there, and, and that's been going real well, and we've had both the YouTube channel and the website have been up just uh, not quite a month, um, and uh, they've been very successful. You know, there's some bugs and kinks that have to be worked out. We've got a nice team working on it, and uh, it's all, all coming along. So now we're getting ready to get some new exclusive content. And then um, we're, we're in talks with uh, two or three networks on some uh, new television shows that I'm excited about. It's busy, but uh, a good thing. With you doing it on YouTube, does that give you a lot more perimeter? You can actually 
show more and get more in detail? Well, I think so. You know, uh, one of the issues always with the, the television shows, both uh, originally on To Catch a Predator and later on uh, Hanson versus Predator on Crime Watch Daily, you know, you have to be sensitive to the audience. And I think in the digital world, while you still have to be sensitive, um, there is more latitude in terms of what you can show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, constantly I'm asked by uh, people who follow the investigations, you know, what happens you know, in between the clips they see. And so this is an opportunity both on the YouTube channel, Hanson vs. Predators, and on the website, HansonVsPredators.com, to, to, to show some of the uncut versions of these things um, as they play out. And it's really revealing, you know, even just sitting in the editing room, putting these things together. Um, I noticed things that I didn't see when I was actually doing the investigations, how these guys walk in and try to take control of the room, how they you know, time after time, swoop in to try to get that hug from the onside decoy. And, yeah. and, and you really get a chance to get inside these guys' minds. And, you know, whether it's this franchise or, you know, uh, Killer Instinct or Crime Watch Daily or Dateline or any of the other shows, you know, it's always been my theory that if you can get inside the mind of a criminal, any kind of predator, and, and they hear the voice of a victim, well, you know, people are going to have a, a, a concrete takeaway that can help them prevent themselves from becoming a victim and so you know all this stuff is pretty enlightening to me and i've been you know at this uh, for a long time like you guys so it's it's uh, it's it's really really fascinating i think so what is the most memorable uh interaction that you've had uh in your in your (laughs) catching predators life you know that's that's fascinating. It's about a hundred way tie for first because I know, they're all they're all fascinating in their own uh, in their own ways. You know, you've got the guys who come in and they recognize you right away, and you say, "Well, how did you know that?" And they say, "Well, they, we watch the show all the time, and when I miss the episodes, I watch them online." And and you have to think, geez, you know, didn't you ever think that maybe this was a sting operation too? That it was wrong to try to come over and meet a thirteen-year-old boy or girl for sex, and yeah. it just doesn't register with him. And then you got the guys who are re- a really a study in 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 what these predators are all about and what drives them and and uh, how manipulative they are and, and yeah. the grooming process. You know, we had a guy uh, in one of our investigations who really you know, chastise the decoy online for talking about a, a, a relationship, an age-appropriate relationship she was going to have, according to the scenario, with, with, a, with a young man. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, really getting inside her head or trying to, saying, you can't do that, it'll ruin our relationship. Well, here's, a, you know, a grown man talking to a, a child, you know, convincing her not to have an appropriate relationship so she's available for him. These guys, I mean, the the logic is so twisted. The grooming is so aggressive that, you know, it it really is a cautionary tale for for parents and, you know, kids to, to say, look, this is what's out there. This is what can happen. And, you know, imagine this. When we started doing those investigations, we had decoys in chat rooms, AOL and Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Well, today, you know, the number of social media platforms has exploded to the point where, uh, you know, there are countless opportunities for adults to approach children online in inappropriate ways. And directly, they can approach them on Facebook, Twitter, wherever they have a profile. Well, yeah, or just some random chat site. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, we yeah. see it on Whisper and Kick and Badu and and you know these places uh, that that come and go or have different uh, security um, settings at different times and. and uh, uh, you know, it's 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 even more the wild, wild west out there than it was when we did the, our very first investigation, you know, uh, yeah. 14 years ago. Um, I just released a book on uh, human trafficking, and I just wonder if, if you've come across that. Well, I tell you, that's, that's a topic that we're working on uh, right now for a big piece that's going to be on very soon on HansonVsPredators.com because it's 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 going on more than anybody notices and and we've done stories in the past about uh, human trafficking and and, and I sit on uh, the boards of foundations that investigate this stuff airline ambassadors and and, and uh, a couple others and it it, it it goes on in every city every day whether it's a big city or small city, whether it's Los Angeles, Atlanta, whether it's uh, Dayton, Ohio, it, it's happening. And when you consider how easy it is to do that, I mean, you can go on Craigslist, for instance, and order up a young woman like uh, you're ordering a pizza from Domino's. Oh, it's, wow. it's insane. And, and at any given time, you know, just on Craigslist, I don't mean to single them out as a bad company because they do cooperate you know, widely with law enforcement, but at any given time worldwide, there are some 60 billion posts on Craigslist. And guess how many people there are on staff to monitor them? Yeah, three. 44. <laughs> oh, wow. About. You know, it's ballpark, but it's right yeah. around that. So, you know, the nature of these these uh, platforms is such that it's it's virtually impossible to, to monitor it uh, in, in an effective way. So you're out there. So what happens? It's law enforcement. It's it's deterrence. It's it's awareness that uh, we have to uh, we have to really push here. Uh, Chris, uh, for like I said, for a period of time, I worked undercover, and we started this uh, with me being a fourteen year old girl. And I will have to admit, I probably know more about High School Musical than any self respecting adult male should know. Uh, but. Uh, we started that as as a solicitation profile as a 14-year-old girl and sure. and I quickly found uh this migrating into child pornography by them wanting me to send and receive uh nude photos and then that led uh, very quickly I might add to one gentleman actually I had two profiles I had another one that was a dad with a with a minor daughter and, and this led very, very quickly to adults wanting to actually buy my daughter, not not rent. Not, I want, they want to buy her and take her. What is this? What you find as well? Absolutely. Uh, um, you know, you take a look at uh, the case of Austin Jones, who you're probably familiar with, uh, a uh, very popular uh, singer who also was uh, uh, all over uh, YouTube at his own channel and, and followed by a lot of, uh, of young women. And it turns out that he was using his fame mm-hmm. to get some of these girls to send him uh, videos that were deemed pornographic. And, and ultimately, he uh, pleaded guilty. He's, he's looking at a 10-year sentence as we speak. But, you know, it started out, you know, if you're really a fan, you You'll, you'll show me, how can I show you, send me this, send me that. And he would describe 
uh, in detail what he wanted to see in these videos and even have the, the young woman say, oh, I'm only 14, you know, do you like this? And, you know, he'd be basically, you know, made the case uh, for the police and prosecutors to, to and, the, and the federal agents to go after him. And it was, you know, it was pretty ironclad. And uh, it, it, it goes on more than people think. And, and what happens is, you know, you get this, anonymity and this this access and, and the addictive nature of what goes on in some of these rooms and um, suddenly you know a vulnerable kid can be talked into sending something they shouldn't send and when it's out there it's out there for good do you, do you think this is really kind of an, an a, a, there seems to be so many of these uh, cases like you could you could set this uh, predator shop up 24-7 all year long and have an endless amount of, of uh, men uh, going after children. Is, is this some sort of a, an issue we should be looking at psychologically? Well, I think so. And, and I think this, this particular practice of psychiatry or psychology is, is, not, uh, is not something a lot of people who study medicine go into. Uh, the, the experts, at least in my experience, are seem to be somewhat few and far between. It's not uh, uh, like plastic surgery or neurosurgery or, or you know, um, some sort of a, a specialty that's glamorous or particularly lucrative. It's, it's psychiatry, and it's spending time with problem men in prisons and finding things out, like, for instance, uh, the... the, the, the um, the men who have nothing to lose, who speak honestly to psychiatrists, will say, okay, I got caught once, but this was the sixth, seventh, eighth time I, I did it. Um, there was a direct correlation between the viewing of child pornography and offending and um, committing a sexual crime with a child. And, and all these things are, are not only difficult to study, but they're not, they're not the glamour sections of medicine. So you don't have a lot of this going on, and you combine that. And again, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I have no experience except, you know, staring in the eyes of criminals for 37 years as a journalist. But, but you know, in this society, we want a one-size-fits-all, lock them up forever. Um, you know, we want a, a therapy that works or a drug that works to cure them. And it just doesn't exist. These guys aren't all the same guys. Mm -hmm. uh, there are offenders who are young, who are socially inept, who think, well, she may be 13 or 14 now, but in a few years it'll be legal. Um, there are guys who would be doing this with or without the Internet, you know, would be trying to get jobs as coaches and hang around the, the movie theaters and the malls. And then there are guys in between who, you know, have a, an attraction towards this but probably wouldn't act upon it if it wasn't for the Internet and, once again, the addictive nature of it, the the anonymity of it and, and the, mm. the, just the access 24-7. And, and people start saying things online that they wouldn't say face-to-face. -face. They take pictures of, of doing things that they wouldn't do person-to-person, -person, at least initially. And all of a sudden, it blurs this line of what's appropriate. And, and as such, you get people acting out in ways they wouldn't normally act out if it wasn't for the Internet. Right. Here in uh, in Surrey, B.C., for example, we have a group called Surrey Creep Catchers, and they're uh, yes, quite, I've heard of them. Yeah, they're quite a vigilante group, and uh, some of the the videos we have online, they're they aggressively go after um, these guys that they do essentially what you, what you folks do, 
but um, their their mo at the end of the day isn't quite as uh, as interesting as yours because I think they're they're vigilantes and they're going to end up hurting somebody or even get hurt themselves. Well, we uh, have a very strict protocol when we do these investigations. I mean, not only is there a legitimate law enforcement agency doing a parallel investigation, uh, mm-hmm. which wasn't the way it started, by the way. The first couple of cases we did, the first couple of investigations we conducted did not have law enforcement uh, doing a parallel investigation. And, and after those two, we just felt it was unsatisfactory from a storytelling standpoint and, and socially irresponsible not to you know, have that component to it. And so from then on, we, we, we did. But, um, you know, you need checks and balances in place. You need to, to experience online decoys, you know, mm-hmm. like you were saying, as a police officer, you know, there was a protocol. You know, our decoys just don't go out and say, hey, I'm, I'm a 13 or 14-year-old with loose morals and, and I'm um, more mature than my age suggests. Please come have sex with me. You know, these are decoys who merely go into a chat room with a profile that is unmistakably underage and wait to be approached by by men who then are the first to bring up the subject of a sexual encounter and and commit the the solicitation of a minor online, which constitutes a felony in, in most states. And that's how we go from there. And then, you know, it comes to the television part of it where I confront, in most cases, the, the uh, potential predator. And anybody can jump out of the bushes and beat somebody up verbally. Yeah. I mean, that's not the skill to it. The skill to it is to come out and say, okay, no matter what this person allegedly did or how bad this human being is, my job is not to beat them up. It's to conduct an interview that elicits information. And the reason why so many of these guys talk to me and don't you know, talk to other people is because I'm genuinely curious to find out what was going in their minds that led them to the situation. And, and unless comes... you can draw them out, unless you can draw them out, then it's it's it becomes more of a show and less you know informational and, and uh, less journalistic of an endeavor. Yeah, that comes through in your show. You're masterful at it, and and that's what I love about it is you're there to dig in uh, about why why is this person here? What's going on in their their mind? What led them to this point? Right. It, it, look, I you know there are unmistakably some moments that are darkly humorous Mm -hmm. there are occasions where you know i really crack down on a guy when he's saying something that's so absolutely ridiculous that is beyond human belief but you have to you have to i tell people all the time it's like being an anesthesiologist you know without a medical license you you have to hover this person between you know uh, a really bad place and in in a place where you're trying to get information and and it's not always easy and some of these guys just don't crack they don't talk some of them run away you know and then that i mean that's why we put a camera in the police interrogation room and, and I learned, you know, from a lot of the police officers in the most recent investigation in Fairfield, uh, Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, a female officer was interviewing uh, um, a guy who was arrested, and he had sent uh, pictures of himself, uh, pornographic pictures, to someone he thought was a 12-year-old girl. And she said to him, and, and, I, and I'll never forget this because it, it really for whatever reason, hit home with me. She said, you know, that could be the first, probably is the first time that girl will be exposed to the male anatomy. And is that an appropriate memory for her to have? And how will that impact her for the rest of her life? 
And right then I thought, you know what? She just got right to the right to the heart of the issue here. You know, people think that this webcam stuff is harmless and it's consensual. Well, not if you're talking to somebody who says they're 12 years old, it's not. Right. You just introduced a whole uh, new set of ideas and thoughts and, 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 and problematic situations to this kid that, that, you know, it's like being sexually assaulted, uh, you know, virtually sexually assaulted. Well, one of the things, too, I, I will say, um, a lot of people are still very surprised that these predators can be uh, doctors and lawyers and and people with uh, good jobs. It's not just like sleazy people. No, and and that's the the still continues to amaze me. I mean, we've had you know executives and teachers, we've had uh, clergymen, um, you know, guys from all walks of life, and people ask me all the time, "What do these guys have in common?" I said, "The the, the main thing they have in common is." They don't stand out of a crowd. They could be the guy standing next to you at the grocery store or the dry cleaners on a Saturday morning. And, and, and that's that's the truth here. Um, so it impacts people from all walks of life. I was just reading before uh, we all got together for this conversation about a case in uh, Genesee County, Michigan, north of Detroit. And again, uh, people from all walks of life, all professions, there was one in uh, New Jersey uh, a little more than a month ago. There was a police officer was oh. uh, was uh, uh, caught in this, and so you, you know it, it just every somebody says what, what surprised you most, and, and the answer honestly is um, every time I think I've seen it all, I see something else, and I guarantee you when we go back out in in, in not too long here to do another one, um, I'll be surprised by something else again. Chris, now when and I'm sure you go out and speak about this, uh, sure. What I hear a lot of times is, and it's almost like it's a, the planets align and this, this is an ongoing thing, is, well, that'll never happen here. And I, I, I just want to shake my head that it can happen anywhere, and I'm sure you have the same message. Uh, it's just amazing, Chris, is the number of people that, that really think because of the neighborhood they live or the socioeconomic status that they have or the city or, or state where they live, that they're immune to this. And, and literally, no one is. Is that, is that your idea as well? I, I agree with you. No one is immune. Uh, you can protect your kids. You can uh, have security safeguards on uh, the computers. And people always say, well, what do, you, what do you tell your kids? And, you know, my my guys are grown now and actually in this business uh, two of them are and um but i say it's age appropriate and it starts with you know if you don't know that person in real life you shouldn't be talking to them in uh virtual life mm-hmm. you don't know who that person is the, the the guy who says he's a 14 year old uh, surfer dude from san diego could be a 300 pound man sitting in his mother's basement uh, surrounded by empty pizza boxes in nothing but his underwear exactly you know? and that that's true you know and, and and that's the sort of thing that gets kids attention is to say look just because somebody says they're this doesn't mean that and uh, the guy who is a stranger on thursday may not seem like a stranger after grooming a child uh friday and saturday for a meeting on sunday you know and and so anybody in any social platform is is a potential target. I had a discussion 
a few years ago with one of my executive producers on Crime Watch Daily, and who said, you know, his his teenage son was on a uh, random app for for chatting, and he said that he had not heard of it. He said, let me see that, and how does it work? And the, the, the boy shows him, and and uh, you know, without regard to uh, male or female or age or sexual orientation, you just get on this thing, and anybody can pick up and have a conversation. And so he he gets on the app and who answers but uh, a person who identifies themselves as a 42 year old woman who just got out of the shower and was wearing nothing but a towel <laughs> you know do you want your 14 year old to expose to that and you know that app quickly went away but apparently a lot of kids from that particular school were on it and it's all harmless until it isn't right hmm. where did where did you this come from for you like how did you get involved in this type of uh investigation and what is it that drove you to this well i've always you know done investigative reporting and i always try to you know get out in front of trends and topics and things and and, uh i happen to have been on a phone conversation with a buddy of mine who was a reporter in detroit where i'm from in fact he took my job at the nbc station where i left to go to uh to uh nbc in new york and he was telling me about this online watchdog group called Preferred to Justice. And uh, they were active at the time doing decoy work and then merely exposing these people on their website. And I got to thinking that maybe if we could, you know, use their expertise as uh, decoys and combine it with our ability to wire a house with hidden cameras and microphones, that it could be kind of compelling. Because, you know, if I go pitch a story saying, okay, I have two anecdotal interviews of kids who, you know, found harm by chatting with the wrong people online and uh, nothing else but video of, you know, fingers click-clacking away on a computer board. It's, you know, you can't make an hour of television out of that. So I figured if we could infiltrate this world and show what's happening and confront the the, uh, the predator, it could be pretty compelling. And sure enough, we I pitched it and we went out and did it. And, you know, that's uh, almost 15 years ago and we've been at it ever since. Hmm. What would you like to see change in in the um, justice system um, where it relates to this? Like, what have you seen uh, during your predator investigations that um, maybe you'd like to see the the law or something in the whole system change? Well, I think the laws are in place. Honestly, uh, everybody who you know gets caught for the most part, at least what I'm seeing, it does some time. I mean, in the last investigation a few years ago, 11 guys surfaced in three-plus days, and they all uh, were either found guilty or pleaded guilty. And they, you know, they pretty much all got time, you know, at least a year, and in some cases up to three years with suspended sentences after that. Um, Some more because of the severity of what they did and, 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 and their past and, and what they had planned for these uh, children they were targeting. But um, I, the laws are on the books in virtually every state. Um, and the police do crack down. But I, once again, I think it's a situation where there's so much of this going on. And everybody asks, you know, um, how many online predators are, are active at any given time, and nobody really knows. I mean, there was a number years ago, and it became very controversial, and, and uh, I was taken to task a little bit over, over using it, but I was merely quoting you know, a law enforcement uh, official saying that at any given time there could be as many as 50,000 online predators um, active. 
And it was a quote that I got from an attorney general in a southern state, and I asked a former FBI agent in the field if that was um, accurate, and he said probably on the low side. And anyway, it got into, um, you know, the, the, the predator culture to the point where the then attorney general of the United States used it in a speech, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they were tracking it back to, to, to me, and where did you get it? And I said, well, I, you know, I heard it through law enforcement and confirmed it through law enforcement. But the reality is it's, it's probably a lot more, you know, uh, than anybody knows at any given time. And it just, just uh, it's hard to detect. It's hard to get a handle on. You see law enforcement doing a sting, you know, once, uh, once a month at least across the country. And then you see on a larger level these human trafficking stings every time there's a you know, a major fight in Las Vegas every time there's a World Series or a Super Bowl or uh, even a political convention. You know, the FBI can go out and, and you'll see uh, that they find, you know, hundreds if not thousands and thousands of young women trafficked to these locations and put up for sale on social, social uh, communication websites. Um, it, it's, it's a phenomenon that, that really has to be battled in a grassroots way. And I think it's by education, exposure, uh, creating awareness and a dialogue that, that uh, didn't exist before. And, and we just can't stop. I mean, it's, it's, it's not all I do, but it's a part of the portfolio and, and one that I plan on continuing because it's, it's that important. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, devastating, I think. Uh, people don't realize how bad the trafficking is, is getting. And um, in in the United States as well, not just uh, oh yeah, you know. Well, you know, we years ago did a story where we went undercover into these, um, you know, this brothel and these brothels in uh, in Cambodia and saw American men and European men going there for for sex with you know children as young as five six years old and uh, went on a mission to rescue some of them, and, and uh, it was very successful. But the reality is, you know, you're seeing teenagers trafficked here in the United States. Uh, and, and it's not just an inner city thing, and, and there's a whole recruitment process. And right now, you know, it, it's funny you bring that up. I was having this conversation just, uh, just yesterday. All these people, young women, middle-aged women alike, are telling stories about being at a grocery store or at a Walmart or being near a college campus and, and being approached by men who are following them, who are affiliated apparently with other men who are in the parking lot with a van, who are somehow trying to lure uh, women um, into some sort of a, a trafficking situation. And, you know, how much of this is urban legend? You know, we've seen this phenomenon before, and how much of it is, is truth. I, I, I see these things, and whether it's on Facebook or, 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 you know, on Instagram or Twitter, it can't all be urban legend because there are people speaking out with great specificity um, and seriousness. And, and I'm starting to string together a bunch of incidents from around the country and, and uh, you know, try to get to the bottom of it. And, 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 you know, is this just hyper-awareness? Is it a misunderstanding? Or are all these cases uh, an example of attempted human trafficking? Yeah, I think there's quite a few. We, when we did research for the book, there was tons of, of, of people we talked to that um, had been in that situation. It's... it's um, 
um, really surprising at some of the cases we've had. We even had, saw parents that would sell children. Um, oh, yeah. Well, there are, there are multiple cases that the FBI has done uh, in Homeland Security as well. Uh, you know, uh, people get online and, and they're talking to, you know, somebody's parent. Uh, I'm affiliated with a, uh, a woman who runs a, a safe house and a rescue system who is herself uh, the victim of human trafficking and tries to rescue current victims of human trafficking. And, and these are the women forced to work in brothels and, and sometimes in the, you know, the, the parlors in and around New York. And um, it's, it's amazing how they get uh, lured into this and then trapped in it for, you know, a period of months or years until they're kicked to the side of the road and they've had no life and, and uh, they've lost their family relationships and it's 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 a it's a it's a true american tragedy so so what do you got planned up next like um you're going to continue this and um what other things can you talk about well we're going to continue this uh we really want to do some things in human trafficking we also want to do some more delving into digital crime whether it's financial romantic um, scam type things and then you know I really want to do something that um, takes the crime reporting into a new level um, something that, that akin to a, an equalizer type theory where you know people can reach out to me and say okay this is something this is an issue that's impacting me right now I'm not alone how can we uh, obtain some justice here. And I'm not talking about vigilantism, but I'm talking about digging into a topic in the way you know my team does and exposing these things, once again creating awareness and a dialogue that didn't exist before. And I and I think, you know, as long as as much as, you know, T V is mainly what I do for a living, um, I think this, you know, being able to do it on a digital platform where folks can tune in and watch it from their you know, their mobile devices is kind of the way the industry is going. I mean, I know it is for, you know, uh, my 27 and 25-year-old. I mean, if they can't get it, you know, on Netflix or uh, <laughs> on their phone, they're, they're not watching it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's but it's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of where everything is going. So um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a new world, and, and we're figuring out as, it, as, we, uh, as we move along. And, again, I'm not, you know, we're going to do TV for many years to come, God willing. But um, I think this digital component is, is going to be a very vital part of it moving forward. Yeah. So you got, you're, you're going to be doing a podcast, too, or you started doing one? Yeah, we're working on that. There are a couple different podcasts out there in the works. I'm going to do I do a live YouTube Wednesday nights at eight. Sometimes we shift the time around. I did uh, did one last week. I was uh, working on a couple um, new projects in Los Angeles, and, and ironically, one of the uh, on-site decoys who worked with us on uh, some of the investigations, who's now 30 years old, if you can believe it. Uh, it's how long we've been doing it. it. Lives in Los Angeles, and Casey Morrow and I had her on the the live um, YouTube show on, uh, on on last Wednesday night, and people got a big kick out of it. So, um, but yeah, there's going to be a, we're going to have a podcast associated with the website coming up very soon. We've got the live YouTube, and then I'm in talks with uh, two or three other entities regarding the uh, another podcast that has to do with. Uh, some really cool criminal cases, some manhunter cases that uh, that we've got in the works. So, um, really, 
really interesting storytelling, and, and uh, we've got some voices involved that uh, really take us behind the scenes. So I'm excited about it. It's a lot, lot, lot going on. Yeah. So, um, okay. And so uh, your website is the uh, best way to find you, I would imagine, and that would be. Uh, it is. So you, it's Hanson versus Predators with an S dot com, and then the YouTube channel is Hanson versus Predators. Uh, Twitter is at Chris Hansen. Uh, Instagram is official Chris Hansen, and Facebook is just Chris Hansen. So <laughs> 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 I'm hard to miss out there. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I get everywhere. So so many so many places now. So sometimes I even forget where I am. So <laughs> well, yeah, I constantly do. Oh, well, this has been a it's been a pleasure, and and like I said, we're all big fans, and we're. And you've had a lot of influence on people like us, and uh, we're out there doing it. So, um, you know, thank well, you. And, you know, well, thank, thank you for having me on. And you know, I listen. Uh, it takes a village to do this kind of thing, and I certainly don't, don't. don't own it or, or have any any exclusive rights to it. But uh, I think the, the the more we all challenge ourselves to go out and do, you know, this kind of enterprise reporting, um, I, I just think the more education. And again, it comes out to that and, and dialogue and creating a dialogue that didn't exist before. And, you know, if, if I've got to put up with the uh, have a seat jokes for the rest of my life, and, and <laughs> I've read the transcripts and what are you thinking? And, and uh, yeah. yeah, I tell you, it's interesting just as a parting note, you know, um, um, again, you know, we've been at this since, you know, going on 15 years and it's, it's actually a small part of, you know, my portfolio in terms of enterprise reporting, but it's obviously the one that's become the most iconic and, and mm -hmm. uh, um, the one that I get stopped for in the streets most. But, you know, my kids took it for granted that I was on television because it was just dad's job until they did a, a spoof on me on South Park that I became very cool. But almost <laughs> a half generation later, Kids in high school are still talking about it, are still watching it, whether it's on YouTube or whether they're looking forward to new episodes. And it's, it's really, it, it's almost transcended a generation, you know, which is, which is it's kind of, kind of interesting when we think about it. But I, I think it's, it, what it speaks to overall is that, you know, good storytelling with enterprising techniques and, and really getting inside of a crime or a situation to watch it happen taking people to places they wouldn't normally see and hearing things they wouldn't normally hear, at the end of the day, that's our job, and that's what we, we should be doing. And so I'm going to plan on doing that for a long time to come. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it does have its, have, has its um, impact. I mean, you've been doing it in, uh, oh, yeah. I, well before I wrote anything. Now I have 14 books out, and I'm Good for you. on that's the awesome. show, and, and Mike does his, and Steve's been doing mm -hmm. his, and, and it has an impact that you don't realize within, you know, your own job, I think. And I think that's the important thing. Well, I think so. And, and, and again, I think, you know, having, um, you know, relationship, relationships with guys like, you know, you guys and where you get a chance to exchange ideas and, and put them out there for people to consume, uh, you know, that's what we're all about. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. It was it was a great time to meet an old school gangster, a true crime guy <laughs> such as yourself. I really appreciate it. You know, my pleasure. It was a treat. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now.
was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.